Hello, I'm Philip Stoughton, and this is the Supply Chain Intelligence Podcast, a Scoop Studio production for Nexar, an LTL company. Each month, with the help of Dan Schoenfelder and a special guest, we'll be digging into the Nexar Spectra Electronic Design to Delivery Index Report to see what the latest trends are and comparing those with other data and anecdotes from the companies in the supply chain. This month's guest on the Supply Chain Intelligence Podcast is Marco Lucia, who's the Director of Global Supply Chain Solutions for Benchmark. Dan, before we get Michael on, we're seeing the same trend we saw last month, but we're seeing it with a little bit of a steeper change, particularly on the on the demand side. Um, what do you, what do you, what's your what's your view on that? And does the demand? If I look back at the December numbers or November numbers and December numbers for the two previous years, there's obviously a bit of a holiday or seasonal adjustment. Do you think this is typical or is it a a stronger demand fall than than you would normally expect this time of year? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both, Phil. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, um, one, one thing that's unique um, in this month's report is that uh, that we're seeing essentially every top level category that we have uh, supply is up and demand is down, mm. uh, and I think that can be attributed to a, a combination of factors. Um, certainly, seasonality is going to play a role. Um, we see that um, in the ten years of data that we have on inventory and the ten years of of, of data that we have on demand signals. And in uh, December is one of the low low points of most months. And that begins actually with the holiday season in November and late November. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, so without question, we're seeing that. But, uh, but it's undeniable right now that, uh, that there are market forces in play that are magnifying that as well, too. Um, again, uh, every top level, level category that we do track yeah. is, is trending in the same direction, um, and uh, both on the supply and demand front. And, uh, and it's tough to ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are just standout crazy numbers. So when I look at microcontrollers, for example, you know, although it's dropped down 18 points, it's still 305 on the uh, on the um, on the demand index and like 43 on the supply index. That's that's just way out of way out of where it should be, I guess. Yeah, we, we remain imbalanced in portions of the supply chain. Uh, mm-hmm. You point out microcontrollers. It's a great example of this. Um, you know, for those looking for a silver lining to end the year, um, you know, we're at a high point um, as far as supply and availability. When we think about microcontrollers and what we've seen throughout the last seven to eight months, um, that, that should... Uh, should, should at least uh, warm some hearts in this holiday season. But the mm. reality is, to your point, that demand remains extremely high for some yep. categories as well, too. And because of that, it's unlikely we're going to see significant shifts in lead time in the near term. I think that uh, that we'll slowly see them start to creep down, but that's going to be something that uh, that happens in the midpoint of next year, more so yeah. than in the immediate yeah, it's curious. I spoke to the CEO of an EMS company in Scandinavia um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about 
what could be for them this ideal situation in that demand softens, supply becomes available, they get a period to catch up with their backlog. And hopefully by the time they've caught up with the backlog, the market's bouncing back again. And, you know, it's kind of this this ideal scenario, but it's um it's a cur- it's a curious picture because people that I've got a sense from the EMS guys that I spoke to at Electronica and you were there as well, that that a slight softening in demand and a greater availability would be would be ideal for them. Um, and they're not seeing demand kind of crashing around their ears at the moment. Is that is that what you were hearing when you were in Munich? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh I think I think most people are holding their breath right now in the industry. Uh I, I don't think that there is um there is a lot of confidence when it comes to what is what individuals, depending on if they're in on the manufacturing side of things, if they're on the uh, if they're on the componentry side or distribution side, most folks don't have a great sense for what 2023 is going to look like. Um, however, the prevailing wisdom amongst uh, amongst most people that I've talked to is that um, demand will remain consistent, um, but uh, but inventory is going to to unfortunately going to provide some pressure still on on the manufacturing sector. Yeah. Yeah. Let's bring let's bring Michael in. I want to come back to Electronica a little bit later because you obviously spoke to a lot of the component guys as well. But Michael, are you holding your breath? What what's your, what's your view on uh on demand at the moment? How's that feeling at benchmark? I would say we're catching our breath, right? Um, okay. What what Dan just mentioned with, you know, getting a chance to tackle some of the backlog, you know, I, I see it as an opportunity for for that. Um, it, it's a little sector dependent, though, to kind of go a little little more more deeper into that. In in some areas where perhaps we saw some of the largest increases in, in demand, uh, both last year and at the beginning of this year, um, you know, some might say an overdrive. That's some of the first areas where we're starting to see some softening in the demand. You know, other areas like 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 aerospace uh, remain remain strong, and and if anything have been getting stronger as uh, as travel becomes more uh, more abundant. And uh, also capturing aerospace, some of the the, the defense uh, markets that that benchmark plays in as well. So um, you know, that that's been strong since the Ukraine conflict started earlier this year. And when you look back at 2022, I think a lot of EMSs all will be recording a record year. Certainly, growth has been good, profitability has been good, even though there's been those shortages in the supply chain. And whenever I talk to people, it's like, yeah, we were up X percent, but we could have been um kind of up to x percent if we'd been able to get stuff i think throughout the year you know you and i have talked during the year but i've talked with other people during the year and there's a there's a sense that this very long-term order book going forward has to be treated with a little bit of um with a pinch of salt you know you can we we in the past we didn't trust all the forecasts we got from our oems and now we've forced them to uh place orders because that's the only way to get components locked in um suddenly we trust it is there is there some pulling back in terms of those um those commitments that they've made yeah no i i think you summarize it well there uh you know going into again last year going into this year we saw a lot of you know overdrive as a way to secure the the components and, and the, the assemblies that they needed to fulfill the needs to their customers or whatever their strategic forecasts might might have been. So yeah, I think there's generally a sense of uh, there's there's been a um, uh, significant increase in demand to the EMS companies uh, in the world, and they're going to see most of them will see very good financial results uh, uh, be, because of that. 
But at the same time, I, I think people understood pretty well as we go into you know 2023 and beyond, the chances of that demand softening are are, are pretty high. Uh, so um, you know that's something that, that we've been looking at, and just how much they soften is the, the hold your breath part, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got friends I talk to, and we have conversations of like, hey, you know, is this type of performance sustainable? And and you know what I would say is, you know, yeah, there's been a record surge in, in demand and, and you know hardware shipments in general, and I think you're your performance in 2022 is going to be largely largely dependent on how good you were at, at getting your hands on parts and, and securing mm. supply. Um, yeah, as we go forward, it's going to be, you know, how well do you hold on to that demand and how well have you as an EMS company distinguished yourself as more of a, of a service provider as well, right? Yeah. You may have gained a lot of customers uh, over the past 18 or 24 months, but, you know, you know, like we've talked before, EMS companies are doing more today than, than they were in the past. They're not just your single margin product product manufacturer. They're they're offering test services and solutions, engineering, design, and uh, those generally tend to be higher margin areas for them. So interested to see how that how that plays with this going forward if the demand does pull back. I guess a lot of the conversations in 2022 are around, you know, how do we get stuff? How do we make sure we keep pushing this overdrive forward? As you as you look at 2023 and maybe demand has softened it's still essential that you maintain those great re- customer relationships. How do you, how do you kind of adjust how you, how you operate as a team? Well, the, the, the pro- there's still problems to solve, right? So that's why customers are come to me to talk with me is they have some, some type of supply chain concern. Um, and while now it might not be, how do I overdrive my material and secure parts so that I can, I can over deliver to my customer. Uh, a lot of what, what I am dealing with today is more localizations, uh, restructuring mm. of supply chains. Uh, hey, and hey, what, what better time to do that um, than a, a catch your breath period? I prefer to call it yeah. a catch your breath period, right? Uh, because you can, you can build ahead with your, your existing supplier or in your existing factory and uh, give yourself some buffer so that you can handle a transition if you're thinking about reshoring uh, or, or moving to a, a potentially less geopolitical risk country. Um, for your for your operations, this this pullback in demand or oversupply of the market, depending on how you want to look at it, is going to uh, allow you to secure the inventory to to build some buffer to do that. Yeah, yeah, Dan. When you look at it from a point of view of the component distribution and component manufacturers, do you think they're seeing some unraveling of commitment? Do you think they're seeing people coming and saying, you know, hey, we were committed to that. We need to we need to scale that back a bit. That was something that was discussed uh, at Electronica with with a number of our partners. Um, that uh, that certainly demand was uh, was magnified because of the efforts that many organizations had to go through to source components over the last eighteen to twenty four months, and uh, and and that has uh, led to a circumstance where over forecasting existed, and uh, and unfortunately has uh, created some bubbles in either at specific component values or in, or in product families. Um, so, so I think that will be a factor in play without question that uh, there are going to be some areas of over inventory as companies, you know, a year ago, we're looking to shore up long-term, uh, long-term forecasts. I know, I know we, as a, as a company, uh, we're doing the same thing. We were attempting to, to, to forecast demand out, uh, out a year um for some of the products and hardware that we support and uh it was a very challenging circumstance to try to manage to and uh 
And I think the result has been that some component manufacturers and distributors are seeing uh, what they thought was uh, was demand on their books that's uh, that's either getting pushed further into the future or yeah. is, is going away entirely. I think it does change, though, the, the relationship. And I think when I look back through the year, Dan, it's been challenging for the relationship between component distribution and the and the ems industry did you feel at electronica there was a kind of acceptance of that on both parts and a and a realization that the there, there needs to be some renegotiation in that relationship or there needs to be some development in the in the partnership model yeah i i, I got a sense that there's a lot of camaraderie still in this industry um that uh this, there is not a lot of us versus them mentality no. that uh, that I see in the conversations that I have. Uh, so, uh, so I think that uh, that most companies are, and, and, and certainly individuals are looking to to find partners with whom they can solve problems. Whether mm-hmm. it's getting data to help make decisions like the the Eddy, or it's working with um, with EMS partners that uh, that that are willing to be. Uh, that just that a long-term partner, not somebody that's interested in short-term gains. And so, uh, so, so I, I, I very much walked away from Munich with the impression that there are many stakeholders throughout the industry who are interested in collectively solving problems yeah. and it, it, and staying away from more of that, again, that us versus them sort of mentality. Yeah, Michael, when you look at it from your point of view, you obviously spend time with the customers, but you spend a lot of time um, talking to your vendors, um, have they stepped up this year? And is there kind of a uh, a new model, if you like, going forward in terms of the closeness of the relationship with the um, with the supply side of your supply chain? Yeah, there certainly is. But I mean, first of all, I'll mention just the, the customer side. I, I think that there don't don't discount that there certainly are very frustrated customers out there. Um, not everybody was successful in getting getting their their, their parts. In fact, some yeah. some maybe miss miss their forecasts significantly. Um, so, and and I think this is industry wide. So, you know, ex- expect some some shakeup. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of customers are out, are out there thinking, um, do I need to expand my supply chain? Do I need more suppliers? And I mean, we're doing this at the benchmark level as well, right? Uh, at the EMS level, but I think holistically, everybody's kind of questioning: Do I have enough suppliers? Am I with the right ones? Are they really partnering with me? Are we in this together, or is it an us versus them, and and, and we're 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 clashing? So I, I do expect to see some 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 shake up there, but um, yeah, certainly having to work a lot more closely with with the suppliers, particularly on the electronic component side. I, I am having conversations down to the inchstone level with uh, the franchise distributors and the OEMs, uh, the chip manufacturers themselves that supply them. Um, like I, I've never seen before. I mean, just down yeah. to the, the finite detail of where are we at in the manufacturing process of this wafer. Um, and, uh, and we expect that to continue for, for some time um, for some of the some of the industries. But um, there's certainly a lot more togetherness working. And uh, I think the franchise distributors are doing a good job guiding guiding us on how to how to handle these conversations. Yeah. You can push, but you, you can't push too much. You don't want to you don't want to be mean to somebody who can hurt you by, by doing nothing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's a core of data that you need to make this process happen. So actually having as much real time data or as much reliable data on what's going on in the market is is hugely important to a company like Benchmark, I guess. That comes from stuff like like the Eddy report, but it also comes from some level of transparency in the supply chain from the um, from from your suppliers. Are you getting that? Has that improved during the last six to 12 months? 
Yeah, we, we use a, um, a variety of inputs to our uh, and benchmark publishes for our customers, sort of a, a supply chain outlook. It's something similar to, to the Eddie report, um, but some of the, we're just focused on different things. What, what's more valuable to me is is lead times and, and how that how that's trending and, and obviously that that's a function of, of demand and supply um but uh you have to kind of pr- uh, put that out and, and then and then pricing what does pricing look like because as yeah. soon as as customers hear that uh supply is up and demand is down right they're going to start asking me hey you know can, can you can you pass me along some savings i, I think you're getting yeah. part cheaper now right yeah. um, and uh we haven't quite seen that yet and in fact, although pricing has maybe come down a little bit from from the the peak we saw earlier this year, um, it's still well above where where it was. You know, maybe just four years ago. So yeah. those those pressures still still continue. Uh, lead times you know, starting to to level off now, but but really just stabilize. Um, still a lot of them, especially on the semiconductor side, floating out there past the uh, the fifty two week mark. Um, yeah. it does require a long long forecasting from from customers at this point, which yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're hesitant now to. Uh, to, to overdrive too much with this. We see the demand, yeah. demand softening, yeah. but yeah, the, the, the data, the long reach outlook and the number of inputs that we have going into that uh, has been critical. So we can advise our customers on, on what decisions to make. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan, what do you, what do you see in terms of changes in pricing as we see that, as we see that shift in demand, are you seeing a little bit more stabilization there, a little bit more of a return to, to what was considered normality? I think this is a conversation that two and two of us have been having over several months now, Phil, which is mm. <clears throat> we never expect the industry to return exactly where, to where it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. But what does the new normal look like? Yeah. When do we expect something to settle into a state that is going to maintain some consistency for a period of time? And I think as Michael pointed out, the pendulum of pricing power has very much uh, been favoring uh, co- the sellers of electronic components yeah. for a considerable period of time. Uh, so I think it's unlikely that that's going to continue for an excessive period of time into the future. I think yeah. in some of the pockets that we've discussed about in semiconductor products, some others, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that the, the pricing power in that equation is going to still reside on the component manufacturer side and on the distribution side. However, I think there are going to be other pockets uh, where we see uh, a, extreme over-inventory positions throughout the channel, where there's going to be uh, a shift over the course of the next several months, uh, where that pricing power is going to shift to the buying side of the equation. Last last thing before we wrap up, I just wanted to mention, and you know, it's already been mentioned, the whole issue of geopolitics, but what that means in terms of the of the regionality. You do have some handle on that, Dan, from the. Um, data in terms of what you're seeing. We're still talking a lot about companies like Apple shifting their supply chain, the importance of Vietnam, the importance of um, India, which I think is maybe a bit of a long term, uh, a long term thing. Um, but perhaps more more critically, Mexico seems to be seems to be doing well. Um, what what are you seeing in the data? Does that does that reflect that? And does the is the supply chain supporting that shift of EMS? Yeah, I think I think the uh, the latter part of that question, I'd like to put to, to ask uh, Michael what he thinks, but but yeah. leading up to that, um, the data we're seeing very much uh, aligns with with your your buildup in this question is we see India becoming a much more significant factor in our data 
Uh, we see Mexico becoming a much more significant factor in our data over time as well, too. Um, those are, those are, there is enough activity in those two segments that our data science team is questioning me to say, do we need to dig deeper into this? Is there more to this than we're seeing right now? So, um, so these are, are, I wouldn't classify them as anomalies and activity, um, but they're not far from it as far as the increases that we're seeing from those geographies. So, uh, so without question, those are, those are emerging markets that we should keep our eyes on. Yeah. And, um, Michael, when you look at it from a manufacturing point of view, you're obviously seeing that demand shift to those those other those other geographies. Is the supply chain able to? Is it agile enough to move to move with you, or does the you know as people try to decouple with China, do we still find most of the supply chain resides in China? Yeah, I mean, as as part of reshoring, typically you're going to want to relocate those supply chains as, as well. It doesn't make a lot of sense to move your end item assembly from from China to to Mexico or Vietnam or wherever you're, you're going if you're worried about geopolitical risk. If a, a good amount of the the dollar value of that bomb is still sourced from within China, mm -hmm. right? So if I was a, for the most part, and I mean every every customer, every product's different, but I would advise you if you're looking at at, at moving your end item assembly or your, your your product, you want to look at the whole supply chain and really understand where every part's coming from, uh, and ideally set that up. You know, within a, a localized region. Um, so when we, we, when we set up customers in Mexico, we look at all of the, the build to print content on their bomb, whether that be metals or, or plastics, cables, and try to find solutions for them in Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, I, I agree. I think Mexico has got a really bright future for it in the term, in the area of manufacturing in general, particularly electronics. Uh, this is an economy that's uh, been heavily um, focused on automotive and even HVAC for, for a long time, for, for decades, probably, right? And, and now I think uh, as the world kind of restructures uh, around the go forward risk, Mexico is a bright star uh, and it, it's a good place to be. But at the same time, there's going to be growing pains. Um, yeah. you know, we're talking, right? It's very difficult right now to find significant uh, available square footage in Mexico. Uh, and I expect that to continue for, 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 some, for some time. A lot of those build-to-print build -to suppliers well, they've been supporting automotive, right? They're used to making 50,000 widgets a year, 100,000 widgets a year. Um, your customer only needs 4,000. What are you going to do? So yeah. maybe still buying from the U.S. for a while. Um, you yeah. know, this, we could do a whole episode probably on uh, the the potential of Latin America. Um, Mexico is particularly interesting to me. Um, yeah. Got a good future. Yeah, no, I think it's fascinating. I spent a lot of time down in uh, in Guadalajara um and yeah i think there's there's huge potential there but it but it is that ability to grow you know you've got a city with a hundred thousand people employed in the ems industry um and there's only so much so much capacity and it's probably 70 80 percent of the ems companies there are, are all planning to grow in that region so it's uh they are there's a lot of construction i was just there a couple weeks ago a lot of construction um the limited workforce that you describe i mean what does that what does that mean in the short term labor prices are going up, right? Yeah. Because everybody's competing for the, 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 same, the same talent. So the, the, the hubs themselves will have to grow population-wise. The workforce will need to get you know, better, better skilled to, mm -hmm. to enable it. Um, Mexico is not positioned to absorb uh, the majority of what's coming out of China, but you know, it is telling though, look, when you see what, what Apple's doing uh, as they look at Vietnam and, and, and India, uh, you know, I, I got to assume they're, they're, they're the 800 pound gorilla. So I think a lot of, uh, a lot of other OEMs are going to follow yeah. that model yeah. and, and look to, uh, to, to different geographies. Um, and th those are also very, very interesting. Uh, Vietnam is often been looked at as a 
kind of a next best in terms of of uh, of cost. I understand mm-hmm. the labor rates there are very competitive with with China, and it's a uh, um, you know looked at as a much lower risk country for manufacturing. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. But when you look at India, the, India has the uh, has the one billion plus population yeah. uh, in its favor, so the uh, the capacity for growth there makes some sense. But I think that's a that's a, a longer term bet where I think. The shift to Mexico and Vietnam is a, a bit quicker. Uh, I'm going to wrap up with a last question. It's the last episode of the year, so I'm going to ask for some predictions for 2023. Dan, perhaps you can go first, and we'll uh, we'll give we'll give Michael the last word. You know, we uh, we foreshadowed this earlier, but I think the pendulum of negotiation power is going to move from that seller side to the buying side of the equation throughout 2023. Um, it'll be dramatic in some categories and in other categories, I think it'll be less pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's something we'll certainly see. And, uh, and and then one other thing that I'm very certain of is that the Eddy is going to find its way to an online version in the first quarter of this coming year. So uh, we're making it interactive and we'll make it into a, to a user experience uh, uh, that goes beyond the PDF that we deliver on a monthly basis at this point okay. in time. So, so we're really excited about what the future of this product has, and also how uh, how stakeholders in the industry can use this as a guide, but also dig deeper into other forms of uh, business intelligence that we can provide uh, out of our company. Excellent. Well, we'll dig into that a little bit more in the uh, in the January edition of the of the show, Dan. Um, Michael, what do you think the big trends are in in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I mean, the, what I've been following all year is you know, when does the, the the component crisis of uh, the great component crisis of the twenty twenties reside? Right, uh, I, I think around mid year twenty twenty three is when we we really start to see significant improvement. Right now, it's been really isolated to maybe some more of the the higher performance type type chips where the, the initial capacity investments were 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 made. Um, some of the the other markets that maybe don't use the latest greatest chipsets where. You know they're, they're using the, the same uh, the same foundries to produce the, the wafers that they were you know, three years ago. Um, yeah, probably around mid 2023 before that situation is looking uh, much improved. With that is going to come an even um, bigger drop in the Eddie report on uh, on um, demand and, and an over and, and an oversupply situation, right? Mm. Uh, and that's going to affect different industries differently. Um, so you know as we were talking, I think some of the the industrial consumer goods will see probably the most significant pullback. Uh, of where the overdrive probably was. Um, aerospace and medical, I think, will remain a bit resilient um, just due to the fact that people are getting comfortable traveling again. 2023 is predicted to be the year that we surpass uh, passenger air traffic um, than where we were in 2019. So it, it, it took us uh, you know, about four years to get there, but um, commercial aerospace demand will be higher than ever. And as long as there's t- uh, you know, tension in, in the world uh, right now with, with Ukraine and, and potential other hotspots, uh, defense spending will, uh, will will remain supportive, so that's that's how I how I see it right right now. But there's certainly there's a lot of uncertainty going into 2023. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And when I look at it from an EMS point of view, I think you know those people that have taken care of their customers and have worked really hard to build those relationships, both on the supply and demand side, are, are the are the companies that are going to suffer less in. Um, in 2023 because whenever there's this big ramp in terms of demand people tend to look around and look at their relationships and say hey which relationships were great and really delivered and which did not and um you know that's when that's when stuff gets reviewed so all the good work you've done this year um michael should uh should serve you well in 2023 um 
And I think those, you know, relationships become even more important. Guys, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to chat. Last one of the year, as I say, look forward to uh, the January edition. But in the meantime, happy holidays. Take care and we'll, um, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Subscribe now to get these valuable insights delivered to your inbox monthly.